If you didn't already know, there's another episode of Matt's Crummy Comics Collection coming to Patreon this month in just a couple of days. And that exclusive episode answers a question I never knew I had. And that is, what was the origin of Skeletor from Masters of the Universe? Is it a question worth answering? We'll find out on that Patreon exclusive episode. Patreon is what keeps everything at NeoZaz online. To find out more and to get access to this exclusive episode and all the other exclusive content we create for our Patreon supporters, please visit patreon.com slash NeoZaz. Welcome to Matt's Crummy Comics Collection. I am Matt, and this is the general release episode for July 2018. For those of you that don't know, this is the show where I take a deep dive into one of my many, many, some would say stupid, some might say silly, but I say unique comics from my collection. This episode, we're going to talk about Wacky Raceland number one. This is one of the four reimagined Hanna-Barbera properties done by DC Comics in 2016 called Hanna-Barbera Beyond. This, if you haven't guessed by the name, is a new look at the classic cartoon series Wacky Races. The other three titles in the initial concept for the Hanna-Barbera Beyond series or collection or I guess maybe even... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Imprint under DC Comics. If that's that might not have been that big a deal, but the the entire collection. There we go. That's probably the word I was looking for for that past ninety seconds or however long that is. Felt like it was ninety seconds or more. But anyway, those other three titles in that initial release were Future Quest, Scooby Doo Apocalypse, and The Flintstones. The Jetsons have also been added to that. There may be more since then, but I kind of lost track after the Jetsons. Wacky Raceland, like I said, it's a reimagining of the cartoon series Wacky Races that debuted in 1968 on CBS. It featured 23 characters in 11 themed race cars that raced against each other in each episode. The show's villain was Dick Dastardly and his dog Muttley. Dastardly drove a purple rocket car called the Mean Machine with a ton of concealed weapons, and despite his endless attempts at cheating... Dick Dastardly and Muttley never won a race. The other characters and cars included in this race were the Slag Brothers Rock and Gravel in their caveman-themed car, the Gruesome Twosome in the Creepy Coop, Professor Pat Pending in the Converto car, Sergeant Blast in the Army Surplus Special, the Anthill Mob, which actually accounts for almost a quarter of the entire characters in this series, the Anthill Mob in the Bulletproof Bomb, Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear in the Arkansas Chugabug, Red Max and his car slash plane, the Crimson Hay Baler, Peter Perfect in the Turbo Terrific, Rufus Roughcut and Sawtooth Beaver in the Buzz Wagon, and Penelope Pitstop in the Compact Pussycat. This series has a little bit of history with Neo Zaz, I think mostly in Star Wars in character, in that it's the show that I reference when I sing the, uh, I think it's Catch the Pigeon or Get the Pigeon song. And I'm actually referring to this show incorrectly because that song's actually from the spinoff series of the same, I believe all the same characters, at least Dick Dastardly and Muttley. I believe all the other characters as well, but it's a spinoff of another racing cartoon, but with airplanes or aircraft. I think Dick Dastardly might have had a rocket. The point is, it was all, it took place in the air, and that's. That's not why they were chasing the pigeon, but that is one reason they're chasing a pigeon, because it's a bird. I can't remember the name of the series, but that is the 
show that I'm referencing when I'm incorrectly referencing Wacky Races when I sing that song. So, like I said, a little bit of history, just a little. And in fact, that explanation of it is probably longer than the actual moments all put together of when I actually made these incorrect references on those past shows. There were only 17 episodes produced of this cartoon series, but since this show had started airing, it has never missed a year of airing since its debut in 1968 through syndication and other repeating means up until this year, the year of this recording, 2018. That's 33 more years than episodes produced. So why did I buy this and how did it get into my collection? Actually, that second part is a stupid question. It's gotten into my collection because I bought it. So <laughs> answer the original question will be, or I guess the original question I should answer is, why did I buy this? I bought this because I actually kind of dig reimaginations. Uh, when they're done well, they can be fun or at least interesting. I also really like Elseworld stories. If I think the very first comic coverage special that we've ever done on Neozaz was my Superman War of the Worlds coverage with the guys from Back to the Bins on the Two True Freaks Network when we did when we covered that issue for the War of the Worlds week. So I, I'm almost positive that is the very first comic coverage we ever did. In fact, the very first episode of this series of anything under the title Matt's Crummy Comics Collection was part of the Christmas series of specials that we did in 2017, and that was the Ghostbusters slash Christmas Carol crossover. Well, I guess that's more of a crossover, but a, kind of an Elseworlds and whatnot. Crossovers, reimaginations, Elseworlds, I like them. Sometimes they don't work at all, and they're horrid, but when they work, they're a lot of fun. And usually in between those two, there's usually something really interesting. So seeing this reimagination of Wacky Raceland, in fact, let's get right into the cover because the cover is what really drew me. I mean, this is obviously some kind of either post-apocalyptic, dystopian, little combination of both. Somewhere set in the future because the very first thing that catches my eye is Muttley is no longer a dog with a red scarf snickering. It is this beast of a dog, no real particular breed, salivating, sharp teeth, red eyes, and cyber mechanical exoskeleton on top of them, which is incredibly interesting for just the concept of that in general. Putting it on a dog kind of makes it a little more fascinating as well. Dick Dastardly is not the Dick Dastardly we see in the cartoon. In fact, the first word you'd probably use to describe him is cool, which I don't think was ever used in the cartoon version of him when you would describe him. He has a mustache, but it's not a, like, the twirled out end twist villain twisting the end of the mustache mustache. It's like the handlebar mustache that goes across his lip and down his face. In fact, what he kind of looks like, if you haven't seen this cover and you just want a, a kind of a general image of what he looks like, he kind of looks like Rob Zombie with like every other dreadlock dyed red because he's got red and black dreadlocks and he's got a set of um, driving goggles on his head. Kind of looks like a young Rob Zombie, a little bit, not exactly, but that's that's about the best thing I can or a best uh, celebrity I can think of that he looks like. He's definitely got that look. He's wearing this really cool leather duster. He has this blood red armor 
on different parts, not completely covering his duster, or maybe it's a, a trench coat. Uh, either way, it's got that dark red armor. He's got a gas mask hanging from his neck. He's got on his belt a set of brass knuckles and a periscope and then a leather gun holster, though you don't actually see a gun in there. And then you have all the other characters as well. And the first one that also catches your eye, of course, is Penelope Pitstop. She's kind of wearing a pink and white bodysuit that it's hard to tell if it's like kind of spandex or like kind of like the Iron Man where it's a lot of pieces and she can move very freely. It may be a bodysuit with armor on top of it. Either way, definitely not the outfit she wore in the cartoon. She's holding a automatic machine gun. I'm reasonably sure the cartoon version didn't do that, though I might be mistaken. It's been a while. On the other side, in kind of the same size, you have Peter Perfect. Again, this, these these are assumptions I'm making for the characters, although I'm pretty sure this is right. We we're, we're, haven't gotten to the comic yet, but Peter Perfect, he is definitely got a another like uh, is he has armor. He's geared up. He has a gun. He's battlefield ready. He's got binoculars. He's got a couple uh, other items on him. Can't quite make out what they are, but you can tell he's ready for this. And then behind them, you have the rest of the characters. You don't see them quite as well. Now, the the um, the Caveman Brothers, which I had just said. What the heck? I got to go back and look just in my notes. It's right above me. The Slag Brothers, they're kind of in, in the shadows. You can see that they're they're cavemen inspired but you don't get a super good look at him lazy luke and blubber bear those those are easy to see mainly because of the bear although at a glance it looks like there's a bear there kind of over in front of a helicopter which i should say they're all behind a, a helicopter looking thing but i'm pretty sure that's got to be uh professor is it uh oh it's either hmm i was gonna say it's professor pat pending's converter car or it could be a take on Red Max's vehicle. I'm not sure. And when I put my notes together, I actually hadn't decided either. I'm just going off the top of my head from this now. But there's a helicopter-ish looking thing behind them. And anyway, back to the bear. Looks like there's a bear. But when you take a good look at it, you realize it's posed like a human. And if you look at the arms, the arms are human. So that's another interesting take of a character on here. You have the gruesome twosome. A version of Sergeant Blast is pretty... Uh, identifiable that's what i was looking for they're probably all here in fact way behind between dick dastardly and peter perfect there's a small group of people with uh, dark jackets and hats that's probably the anthill mob uh, or the version of them here they're all here they're just really different versions of it but yet i mean for the most part definitely dick dastardly mutley penalty pit stop and peter perfect I recognize them right away without them being directly pulled from the cartoon. Seeing this got me interested. Now I will say I've also seen the Scooby-Doo apocalypse comic, not bought it because that was not as much of a reimagining or I take it back. It was a reimagining. The type of reimagining and during with that was not nearly didn't draw me in nearly as much as this did. This is kind of like wacky Racelands If it, or uh, wacky races, if it took, part in the mad max universe that's actually probably the best description of this i can give now that i went through about what five six minutes of other descriptions so just that idea on the front page was enough for me to put down whatever it cost probably three four bucks at the time it was just a couple years ago comics weren't quite five dollars but they were getting real close 
So that's why I bought it. So what's inside? All right, let's get started and find out. And in fact, maybe it's better to say, let's get ready to start. Ready, set, go. I guess that's more for a running race. I don't know if you do that in a car race. You probably do. All right, let's get into the story here. The story opens outside of the Armageddon bar and the cars are having a chat with each other. That's right. And it actually took me a second to realize that's what was happening. The cars are actually speaking, which I believe will become a big story element, but we'll get into that when we get there. The Turbo Terrific is flirting with the compact pussycat while the mean machine is being urinated on by an eight-legged lizard. So the mean machine pulls out one of its many hidden weapons and blows the lizard away only to immediately be puked on by some drunk stumbling around in the parking lot. Inside the bar, the racers are unwinding after a long race day. Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear try to get a couple of drinks, but the bartender declares that they don't serve animals. Well, he quickly learns that Blubber Bear isn't a bear, but an extremely large man in a bear-themed costume as Blubber Bear hoists the bartender up into the air. Luke orders drinks for the entire bar, and then Penelope Pitstop adds on to that, make mine a double, to which this three-headed mutant uses this as an opening to a really bad pickup line, which is, and one extra. The anthill mob offered to disassemble this three-headed troublemaker for Penelope Pitstop. And before I finish this, let me just say, this is the first good look we get at the anthill mob. And this is, I'm glad they didn't kind of, not spoil this, but do the reveal on the cover because it is seven small humanoids not zombies, not creatures. They're, I think they're some kind of mutant. They're very creepy. They all look almost identical or as identical as you can as seven hand drawn characters. All have red eyes, all bald with veins kind of just like just pulsating along their heads. I was really glad to have the reveal in this kind of scene rather than on the cover. So I'm glad you only got that teeny tiny glimpse of them. So, like I said, the Anhill gang offers to take care of this guy to disassemble him. That's the actual word they used. But Penelope takes matters in her own hands as she throws this three-headed mutant across the entire bar, which leads to Luke declaring bar fight. Dick Dastardly prepares to join into the fight, but notes to his dog, Muttley, that he really just wanted to take a break and forget about today's disappointment of a race. Gonna stop the story here again to talk about Muttley because I just mentioned how much I like the design of Muttley on the cover. We get a good shot of his face here, or is I guess a better way to say it is of his muzzle because those cybernetic enhancements they go down and from there's like like a, a a part a plate on his head that goes down the two tendrils of two fangs over the front of his muzzle and all along the bottom of his muzzle where his jaw is is like another set of six razor sharp steel fangs on the bottom. Or teeth, I should say. I really <laughs> like this design of Muttley. Kind of giving away a note I have for later, but since I'm looking at it right now, I wanted to stop and talk about it. Very, very cool look to this character redesign. With a little bit of prompting from Dick Dastardly saying he wanted to forget about the disappointment of that day's race, we go to a flashback earlier to that day, and it's the start of the race at the Uber Pass. And here we actually meet all the racers that we're going to see in this series. And we meet them by their car number, starting off with car number three, professor Pat pending in the converter car, 
Number six, Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly in the Army Surplus Special. Number seven, the Ant Heel Mob in the Bulletproof Bomb. Number five, Penelope Pitstop in the Compact Pussycat. Number four, Red Baron in the Crimson Hay Baler. Number one, the Slag Brothers in the Boulder Mobile. Number two, the Gruesome Twosome in the Creepy Coop. Number 10, Rufus Roughcut and Salt. I'm sorry, in the Sawtooth Buzzwagon. Number eight, Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear in the Arkansas Chugabug. Number nine, Peter Perfect in the Turbo Terrific. And number zero, zero, Dick Dastardly and Muttley in the Meme Machine. All of this, yes, you just heard about 12 minutes ago. They kept the names and they kept the vehicle names. So this is a not, this is a reimagining of the story and the character look, but the race obviously is still here and the characters are still here. So. I don't know if I was hoping or expecting that, but it was cool to see that in this, if this is a double splash page of the cars taking off in this race. And it's a confirmation that they are going to reimagine the characters without making major changes, at least not to the names. And some of these names are, you know, kind of silly, but <laughs> they actually work in this. They look really cool. Also in this double splash page, we also get the credits. So it's a credit page as well. So we have story by Ken Ponick, art by Leonardo Manco, colors by Marina Sanzone, letters by Sal Cipriana, and the cover also by Leonardo Manco. Now we take another jump back in time. Now we're taking to a place called the Island of Aegina, and we're taking to a time that says final moments before the flood. So we see a town flooding and it's a, it's obviously before this pre Armageddon, the pre dystopian thing we see, I think we can call it Armageddon at this point, considering we're actually uh, seeing the destruction of the world as possibly we know it into where the story is being told. And we see a pre Armageddon, pre wacky Raceland compact pussycat car being driven by a pre Armageddon Penelope. And the car is being driven. It's it's trying. She's she and the car are trying to outrun the water that is flooding the town. But it the water catches up, engulfs the car, ends up flipping it over and throwing Penelope completely out of out of the vehicle. The story is interrupted just briefly so that we can see that we're actually looking at a dream. But in this case, it's a dream that the compact pussycat is having. And I do mean the car. I'm not mixing up the car name and driver name. It is the car that's having a dream. So we continue with the dream and we see this, this elaborate system of robotics and computers. And it's interacting with Penelope and explaining that it's infused the artificial intelligence in her car in the compact pussycat to some of Penelope's memories. And this was done to prepare the two for the race to Utopia. It's the prize land for a series of potential deadly races against the world's most skilled racers. And I think we know who those are. Actually listed them twice, once in cartoon form and once in reimagined form. So now we get back to the Uber Pass. So we're not in the current time we started the comic, but we're back to the first flashback and a little ahead of where it started. So we're in the race. We see a set of old abandoned buildings and inside there, Dick Dasterly and Muttley are tearing up the wood structures. And they, as Dick Dasterly is explaining to Muttley what they're doing, we find out that they're making all this noise and commotion to attract centipedes. And it actually works because a centipede bursts from the ground just ahead of Penelope Pitstop and the compact pussycat. At this point, we cut back to the Armageddon bar 
back to the time frame timeline that we started the story. So we're back at now. In a full page panel, we see the bar fight and the racers are making short work of the other bar patrons in this fight. Turn the page and we're back to the Uber pass again, back to the race. So we're back to earlier. The racers team up with the racers, of course, Sands, Dick Dasterly, and Mutley. The racers team up to take on the San, Santa P- this is a Santa Pete's. This is a really hard word without accident. Accidentally, apparently accidentally is a hard word too. It's a hard word to say without accidentally saying centipede and pushing it too far and saying Santa Pete, though a Santa Pete would be a really good horror character for a Christmas horror story. Santa Pete as in sand, but the using the T is messing me up apparently, or maybe I just can't read. There's that distinct possibility. Penelope Pitstop takes to the high ground to get away from the Santipede. Peter Perfect swings in the retriever. He's holding her as they swing over the Santipede. Penelope drops a grenade right down its gullet, blowing it up. Turn a page and we're back at the Armageddon bar. So back to the timeline we started the story on. Blubber Bear and Muttley have teamed up against the animal-hating bartender. This is a nice touch to the story. I like because these two are quickly becoming my favorite characters. And with a little help from Professor Pat Pending's hypodermic needle, the bartender is now taken out of this fight. Turn the page, cut to the Uber pass. So back to earlier. Dick, Dastardly, and Muttley are ahead of everybody, thinking they left everyone behind to the sandworms. Finish line in sight. Just before he can actually hit the gas and get there, Penelope pit stop. And the rest of the racers are all on top of a giant centipede that they wrangled in that melee. Penelope guides the centipede in front of the mean machine, cutting Dick Dastardly off and wins the race and moves one step closer to the Utopia prize. So now cut to a little later, but just a little before where the story starts. Dick Dastardly makes a comment that technically the centipede won the race to which Penelope Pitstop answers with a right cross against his jaw. Here, Lazy Luke sees a bar ahead, and the racers decide that they're going to make their way to it. Cut to Armageddon Bar now again. We see all of the rest of the non-racer patrons of the bar on the ground at the feet of the racers. At this point, the racers are called to another race. They start heading out of the bar. Dick Dastardly gives a sharp slap to Penelope's backside, to which she answers with a left cross to his jaw. The racers leave, and the text ending reads, Next issue, A Night at the Opera. Alright, so let me get to some of my notes here. And the first note I have is cut to, cut to, cut to, cut to. This, (laughs) I think reading it, it was okay, but trying to explain what was happening in the story in notation form that I could later use to verbally talk about the story, it's... got a little much or maybe it really put a spotlight on how much it happened although i would think that just reading through this once without doing that it's pretty obvious because it's at some points page to page a lot of time jumping in this but luckily except for the memory of the flood it's all within the same day so it's not terribly difficult to follow in fact i wouldn't call it difficult to follow at all I do want to talk about the character redesigns. I really love, I think, almost all of these. I I don't have a problem with any of the character redesigns. My favorites, 
Uh, Penelope Pitstop is actually a really cool design. The Anhill Gang, which I had to actually stop what I was talking about to mention them, are pretty cool. Dick Dastardly, speaking of cool, Dick Dastardly actually looks cool, which again is not a word I don't, I think many people would have used this to describe the cartoon version of him. Blubber Bear, I mentioned right on the the outset of this, uh, at least when we got to the cover, the imagery, that I really dug this redesign, and it is something I wanted to know more about. And interestingly, in this issue, there is an eight-page short story after the main text of a sort of origin story. We don't quite get the look of the character we see in here, but we get towards it. And long story short, without going through a whole nother edition of this, there it's 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 a story featuring Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear. And just a quick recap is we saw them before they became racers. They were kind of scavengers. And we see the man that becomes Blubber Bear actually normal and okay, just a, a man, attacked by a bear, mauled, just about eaten, uh, just about killed, actually. But Luke manages to stop the bear, and then this disembodied voice says that I can take you to a place that's swimming in liquor and fix your brain-damaged friend. In the bargain, I'm putting together a little race. First, let's fix up that car of yours. So we don't quite get exactly what leads to the blubber bear we see in this, but I kind of see where this is going without having actually read the rest of this particular story yet. Muttley. Oh God, do I love this Muttley redesign. I just think not that I didn't like Muttley in the cartoon. I mean, he was a cartoon dog and he snickered. So as a kid, I liked him, but as a now full grown adult, this is the Muttley I want to see. And I love this redesign, the cybernetics on a dog. I don't know if it's the first time I've seen it, but it's the first time I've liked it. It's really, it's a great design. Most, like I said, I, I don't have any problems with the redesigns on this. Those are just my particular favorites. There's a set of variant covers with this first issue as well. The first variant is just the ink, uh, the outlined ink version of the first cover. So that's, if you if you've seen the first cover, just picture none of the, the, the uh, cover. Did I say cover or colors? Because I'm thinking colors. I might have said cover. If you've seen the first cover, just imagine it without any color. And that's what that variant is. There's another variant of Dick Dastardly and Muttley inside the Mean Machine. And it's kind of a, uh, oh, uh, I was going to say Akira, but I don't think that's right. I think it might be, um, oh, it might actually be Speed Racer. That's probably, I think, what it is. I think it's an homage to Speed Racer. You see the Mean Machine and then another triangular panel. And there's just imagery of speed everywhere. You see Dick Dastardly and Muttley. I think this is, I got to look this up and put a side by side if that's right on uh, Facebook or one of the, one of our social media sites. Cause I just realized what this is. The next one is a cover for Penelope pit stop. And this is, I mean, it's pretty cool. You get a, a shot of the, um, the compact pussycat and there's a very almost tank girl type looking Penelope pit stop, but not really. I mean, she's got the long flowing blonde hair. That's just what came to mind. So that's probably, I'm probably giving you the wrong impression by saying that, but if it's a direct homage to something, I'm not familiar with what it is, but there's a bit of a, there's a familiar look to it. I just don't know what it is. And then the last one is a Peter perfect and it's him inside his car, hand on the shifter, other hand on the steering wheel, looking intently, presumably out the windshield. 
And then that is it. And I'm actually happy. Usually when I go through variants, I see one that I wish I'd have along with this. I don't really like any of these more than the cover. I like them. I'm not saying they're not good. I just like the standard cover the best. And I think it's because of the the hero shots of Muttley, Dick Dastardly, and Penelope. And then we also have Peter Perfect. But you get everybody on here and you get a glimpse at what we're going to see character wise inside so although we haven't directly met all the characters yet which i didn't actually realize until revisiting this cover and for the story i i did like the story i'm not sure how i like the flow because of the going back and forth cut to this cut back go back to this while i didn't like talking about it though i don't know that it bothered me reading it and i know it made the read go really fast so I think this complaint is born more out of getting this show ready to do than actually a complaint of the story. Cause I think reading it, I, it probably wouldn't have bothered me as much, but overall the race and getting to meet the characters in the Armageddon bar and getting to meet the cars. I like this story and I really like this reimagining of wacky Raceland. Having said that though, I have not read the other issues. I want to, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Or, I mean, yet's a weird word considering this was out over two years ago, but I simply haven't gotten to it. But now that I've talked about it and gone through this again and really given a look at the characterization, oh, the, the character design, I should say, and I should say, I, I'm really remiss in not saying this, the artwork in this is phenomenal. I love how this whole thing looks from the character designs, as I said, the way everything is drawn and the colors. And what's interesting is that the now, the present now, the Armageddon stuff has a very dark purple and blue color palette. Whereas the earlier, the race has a very orange, yellow and red palette. So that's kind of cool too, that they stick to that throughout the story going back and forth. So even visually your eyes, your sense of uh, your vision is being, prompted to these different time frames. So I actually, I almost forgot to mention how much I like the artwork in this. I like it a lot. So my final rating for this, it's pretty good. It's, I don't think it's a going to go down as a classic. I probably won't read this again, but good enough that I really should take the time and make the effort to read the rest. And for, if for nothing else to keep looking at these redesigns and get a better look at the other characters we haven't seen, we haven't seen, the gruesome twosome real well yet we haven't seen the cavemen haven't seen uh well i i more than half the characters actually i think at best maybe half but i don't even think that's true so pretty good and gonna see if i can catch up on these and with that that is it for this episode but of course that's not it for this month if you're a patreon supporter there's another exclusive episode of this series coming in just a couple of days on the patreon feed and that episode is going to be featuring another one of a somewhat recent comic and a little bit of a reimagination of something from my childhood and also from a cartoon along with among other things. But a cartoon was definitely a, a, a strong component of this particular universe. And we are talking about the Masters of the Universe and the comic is Masters of the Universe, The Origin of Skeletor. So if you want to find out more about how to get access to that exclusive episode and the other exclusive content that we do for Patreon across many of our series at NeoZaz, visit patreon.com slash NeoZaz for all the details. Support there starts at 
just $1 a month, and that $1 goes a long way into helping us do everything that we do, producing these shows, getting them online, and keeping everything that we have done for near a decade now online and available as well. So again, that is at patreon.com slash neozaz for more information. Of course, check out neozaz.com if you happen to be new to this series. Neozaz.com is not only the home of this series, but a the home of a ton of other series, many of them built on nostalgia, our nostalgia for pop culture. Chances are, if you have a very strong fandom in something, we've done at least a special episode on that, if not an entire series. So if you haven't already, check out Neozaz.com for all of those series and specials. Our social media pages for Neozaz are Neozaz Podcast on Facebook and Neozaz on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, this series and all the things, all the other series and shows that we do can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and just about every podcast provider and podcast directory out there. All you need to do is type in Neozaz and that gives you just about everything we do, if not everything. All right, I think that's finally it, except for the one thing that I, of course, have to do, and that is thank you for taking the time to listen to this, and I will see you in that next episode.